Welcome to episode 17 of Flashpoint Podcast. My name is Owen Higgins. I am your host. Joining me today is Walker Bragman. Walker, hello. Owen, thanks for having me. Staff writer for Daily Poster and uh, uh, online uh, commentator, I guess. Um, And we're going to be talking about anti-vax conspiracy theories and uh, kind of the way that they have been spreading um, into uh, kind of mainstream politics and mainstream uh, uh, kind of like at the local and state level of, of politics. And I wrote a story about that this morning at the newsletter, which is the, the print edition of this podcast. It's owenhiggins.substack.com, E-O-I-N-H-I-G-G-I-N-S.substack.com. Um, and it's about this little town called Great Barrington, Massachusetts, which is uh, close to where I am from uh, in the Berkshires. And it's also where the uh, Great Barrington Declaration was written, uh, which is the far-right kind of libertarian think tank produced uh, document that that advocates for an end to, to lockdowns and mandates in favor of, you know, just kind of getting an endemic approach to it. Uh, and so since this declaration was written, uh, the town of Great Barrington has really tried to distance itself from it, especially considering that they have they have a pretty high rate of vaccinations there, and they also uh, they kind of reject the general anti or the, the town government kind of rejects the anti-vax uh, conspiracy theory approach to to public health, uh, except for their board of health, which is led by an anti-vaxxer named Michael Lanou. Uh, he's a strong opponent of mandates and his vocal opposition to vaccines, uh, he's referred to them as experimental, emphasizes their so-called risks, uh, is controlling how the board is approaching public health and is turning policy over to his conspiratorial ideology. And uh, on January 11th, um, they held a meeting to to kind of talk through uh, doing a vaccine mandate for one of the schools. And as they were going through uh, the document that was kind of explaining their decision not to recommend this, uh, this exchange came in. And this is, you know, this is a little slow, but but it the end is the the important part here. So I'm just going to play that here. Oh, am I going to play that? Yes, I am. Interested in producing like some um, statements about why we are recommending um, vaccinations. Are, are we blanketly recommending? I guess that that's no. the big, that's the big I don't think the common ground between all three of us is comfortable with recommending vaccinations. 
So that's basically the way that it went from then on. There's about two and a half hours of this, obviously. You know, it's it's, it's a public meeting being held on Zoom. It's pretty halting. Uh, I, I don't think that we really need to listen to much more of that. But essentially, that's been uh, the way that this board has been approaching public health throughout the pandemic. And it really shows the way that these anti-vax um, conspiracy theories, these you know, anti-public health, uh, anti-mandate conspiracy theories have really started to spread, you know, not only within the fringes of, you know, uh, uh, right-wing politics and, and maybe, you know, some kind of more crunchy libertarian hippie stuff, but uh, you know, th- they are really becoming a mainstream movement, both, uh, I think, you know, you could say in the Republican Party, obviously, but, but it's really started to become a mainstream movement in... Uh, local politics in places that are even as left-leaning as Great Barrington, Massachusetts. And uh, anybody who's read anything that I've written about this before, I read an, wrote an article uh, for The Atlantic about this, you know, this is this has been an increasing problem. This is a vocal minority there, but they are making themselves heard. So I, I think it's, it's worth kind of going into, like, why that is happening and and where it's coming from. And that's why I'm glad that I have you here, Walker, because I know that you have been following this stuff. You had that viral video come out about the healthcare workers after Barry Weiss's comments on Bill Maher. Maybe that's a good place to start. Uh, if you want to, if you, if you want to unmute yourself and join and then, um, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks again for having me. I, you know, I, I love the work that you do and it's a, it's a pleasure being on here with uh, one of my favorite journalists. Um, but yeah, so, so that, that video with, uh, Barry Weiss saying like, I'm done with COVID. I'm just done. You know, I did the whole thing. I sprayed down my groceries and I'm just, I'm done. It just, it, it struck me as very tone deaf, uh, and sort of emblematic of the U S the, the broader approach that we've taken to this virus, which is that we get to decide when it's over. Right, we we declare it endemic, which the this is not endemic. This is uh, an epidemic. Um, uh, endemic just means like a relatively constant number of cases, you know, in the background. Epidemic diseases see spikes and uh, periodic spikes, and that's that's what this is. And uh, there are a number of of epidemiologists that I follow who pointed out uh, that. You know, epidemic diseases like COVID don't go away uh, just because you know we through through natural infection and it does it, we're not you know we're not on track to, to, to end this. And so when I saw it's, that, it's not a person you can negotiate with. I think that's an important point. Exactly, it's 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 a virus. It's you know, and and so I I've got I don't know about you, but I've got a few friends who who are medical professionals, a friend, one of my best friends from college is a, is a doctor. He worked through, he's worked through each wave of this pandemic and the just experiences that I've heard from, from those friends is just terrible. You know, this is, and every, every medical professional I've talked to has been like, yeah, it's been brutal. We, you know, stories about sleeping in cars to avoid infecting family members, 16 hour shifts, that sort of thing. Like brutal, brutal work, seeing people die every, every day. Um, 
and yeah, a lot of a lot of people in the medical, you know, in medical professions are are leaving their jobs because they they can't, you know, or or scaling back because they can't take it. So, sort of, I I felt it was it was a fitting response to Barry Weiss to to show that side of the story because yeah. until we do something to to really address you know to to, to end this pandemic we're basically just passing the buck on to our medical workers. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think that, you know, bringing up Weiss who, who went on to Mar and obviously, you know, these are two uh, conservative pundits, but it does show how, how this approach, this specific approach to the pandemic is kind of becoming mainstream. Uh, yeah. You know, kind of a rejection of any kind of public health measures uh, in, in increasing that I mean, Bill Maher's been anti-vaxxer for forever, but kind of like just an increasing skepticism. Has he? I, I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. Um, back, I think even back in the '90s, early 2000s. Uh, but you know, why do you think that it's starting to really get such a grip on on the population? I mean, what do you think it is about? Do you think it's just convenience or? I mean, you know, like, like we both follow this stuff pretty, uh, pretty religiously. So I'm, I'm curious what you're, what... I think that there's, I think there are a few things at play. So I just did an article about, uh, like a week ago about how Medicare for all could have helped us with vaccine rollout because primary care physicians are the most important voice in people's medical decisions. But as of January 2020, I believe there was a, a study that came out that 25% of Americans don't have a primary care physician, uh, and one of the big reasons for that is is cost. I mean, and, uh, obviously, uh, geographic location is also also a factor, but insurance uh, costs is, is another. So I, I think it's not it's not really surprising that we are seeing widespread vaccine hesitancy because we don't have a, a universal healthcare system. Um, we don't, our government doesn't really provide the services that, that people, people for 40 years have been sort of left to, to sort of pick themselves up by their bootstraps uh, in the face of crisis after crisis. We had the subprime mortgage crisis in, in 2008 and people, People never really recovered from that. The government didn't – the stimulus was, was not big enough and you know, Larry Summers was uh, preaching austerity and, and, and people got screwed. And so I think there's a lack of faith in our institutions. There's a lack of access to medical care. Um, and on the other, the other part of it is I think people are just tired of this, of this pandemic. They're tired of the – anxiety that it that it brings the mass death that's going on they're they're sick of of this thing happening and and anti-vax conspiracy theories sell a somewhat pleasing alternative that the real villain here isn't a virus that we can't negotiate with it's bad human actors right and right, so i think yeah. that's that plays a big part of it yeah too. i think and i noticed that the other day that you were talking about how you know, the unvaccinated population uh, tends to be, you know, uh, tends toward working class, tends toward people who can't afford really to take time off to go get vaccinated. Uh, 
I, I am kind of curious as to where you got those numbers, um, but it does, it, it feels like that's probably what it is because, I mean, like that, like that has Axios, to be factor, Census, to be yeah, Axios, the Census Bureau, I mean, the, it's, it's pretty well established that, that the unvaccinated, I mean, the biggest indicator according to a recent, uh, recent survey by the Kaiser Family Foundation was that partisanship was now the big factor in, in determining uh, vaccine status, but Previous polling has shown that that uh, that your insur- whether you're insured or uninsured is, is an indicator. Your level of education is an indicator. Uh, you know that your income is an indicator. And and I think I think all of these things probably you know they they, they all make sense intuitively. I mean it's it's not this shouldn't be surprising for people that like. Too often throughout this pandemic, we've talked about it in terms of individual failings, right? Like people making bad choices, getting sick and dying and putting the burden on medical workers. But I maybe it's just me. I tend to look at – and I, I've gotten plenty of pushback throughout my you know time on, on Twitter – uh, for this mentality, but I look at individual failures and I try to look past them to where the system failed to allow it. I think that for every individual failure, there is a, a systemic one. That's just me. So, yeah. 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 I, I, you know, I think that that does make sense. Definitely. Um, I don't think I don't I don't know if that's exclusively true, though. I mean, there's certainly uh, a lot of well, you know, there are a lot of people who are you know like suburban uh, suburban housewives and 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 kind of there's there's certainly like an upper class anti-vax movement. I mean, that's like again, you know, this is just this anecdotal, of course, but. Speaking from my experience, living in the Berkshires, which is, uh, you know, it's 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 a pretty stratified society. Like you have like uh, very very wealthy people, and also people who are not so uh, wealthy. You know, basically the, the people who come there to live and the people who live there to serve them. Uh, there <laughs> I'm very live. familiar with that kind of economy. Right, right. So, uh, you know, a lot of the anti-vax conspiracies that were prevalent around there when I was growing up kind of began from, you know, these kind of back to the lander hippies who, you know, ha- you know, have their kids in some of the private schools around, but they don't, you know, they don't support the vaccines. Um, it, it is interesting that it has kind of spread now. Um, although, I, you know, there is an argument that, that the anti-vax movement kind of starts, doesn't really start with, like, the libertarian kind of hippie farmer back to lander types. Uh, like, like this is, you know, like the kind of modern one. But that it starts even before that with evangelical Christians and these kind of, like, survivalists. Uh, but I think I, I kind of see that as all kind of part of the same mentality. All of this kind of... Uh, Conspirituality, if, if 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 I can use that term, with apologies to the podcast, um, you know, this is something that Antonio uh, Valadares and I have talked about in in his two appearances 
where we talked about like how the wellness industry and you know conspiracies and and, and the spirituality movement have kind of melded together and that this is a, like a very long-standing, almost like uniquely American thing, even though it is spreading to the rest of the world now, and especially the rest of the Western world. This kind, of, like this specific type of rejection of vaccines, that, and and again, here I'm not referring to uh, people in the global South who are rightly skeptical of um, Western nations coming in with with medicine for them. I mean that they, these are these are different things. I'm talking about a, a very specific. Western rejection of it, right? Uh, usually from people who who have been vaccinated. You know, their their children are vaccinated, or or or, or, or you know, there are a couple of generations of vaccination. Anyway, uh, the general point that I'm trying to make uh, that I'm kind of getting a little derailed on here, but is that there are a lot of different groups who all kind of share this mentality, and I've been noticing especially over the last year and a half two years that the all of these kinds of different aspects of this conspiratorial thinking have kind of started to meld and merge together a little bit where you know people who i knew who i would have described as as uh you know peace-loving hippies uh you know it, it five six seven years ago are now you know, uh, going basically alt-right with tie-dye, you know? Right. And, 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 and it's this interesting kind of thing. And I'm just, I'm just wondering like what, like why it's happening. I mean, it can't all be systemic. It, it has to be, it has to be in part, um, due to something else. Right. Or do you really think that this is all just a systemic issue? Well, I think, uh, look, I, I, I tend to look at issues as, as, systemic problems. I, I do think that there's, I think there's probably an explanation probably has something to do with, with, uh, media and the prevailing, you know, individual, you know, uh, neoliberal, I guess, zeitgeist that every, you know, everything comes down to individualism and, and there's no, there's no, there's no, uh, public good anymore. It's, there's no social contract. I think there's probably, there's probably a tie in, but yeah, I mean, look, upper class, upper class people not getting the vaccine because they're like woo woo or whatever is, yeah, I think that there's, that is, that is an issue. And that, that is sort of like the Jenny McCarthy's, I guess, right? Like the, the, um, those, those folks. But, but late, I think that, I think it's become, I think the anti-vax skepticism to, to your point, uh, the larger, um, movement I think it's not really surprising that we're seeing it right now at a time when, when our society is really strained. I mean, this pandemic has put unprecedented stress on our country. We, before the pandemic, 40% of Americans were struggling to afford one basic necessity. 78% of full-time workers reported living paycheck to paycheck. Seventy, like I saw a statistic that was like, Something like seventy percent of millennials today live paycheck to paycheck, which is which is not great. Um, yeah, yeah, I think you know every every time I I see a stat like that, it's like we're not talking about kids anymore. No, we're talking like, about thirty year olds. Yeah, yeah, like we're adults. So, <clears throat> but like I think that that I think it all goes back to a loss of faith in institutions. Like people have not seen a government that functions for them. For many, many years. I mean, for, for most people, I mean, 
most people in my generation have never, I, I would say probably everyone in my generation, except the very wealthy, have never seen a government that's responsive to their interests. Right? Like, we, like, it is, it is accurate to say that our government primarily functions to, to uh, serve one economic class. And this pandemic response is emblematic of that. We have, we've balanced public health with the demands of industry. And every time they conflict, industry demands tend to win, right? Like we can't do lockdowns because, because uh, big oil and, and other interest groups don't want it. We can't do mandates because um, uh, the Chamber of Commerce doesn't want it. ALEC doesn't want it. Uh, and, and if we do, if we do even like a vaccine or test mandate for businesses with a hundred or more employees that gets struck down because our court has been hijacked by right-wing ideologues. Like, yeah, yeah. So, so there is no backstop here. Yeah. Just before we get in, uh, into this a little deeper, I just want to, like, I want to do a little digression here, which is just to say that, um, so I am a little bit. Uh, older than you, and I think that I, I just want to say, like talking about the government being responsive or not, because I because this is a, a a point that I think about actually quite frequently. Um, you know, in the late '90s, uh, you know, the economy was booming, so you didn't really think about this stuff quite so much. But I think that a lot of people uh, around your age. Um, and, you know, a little bit and, and younger and older for sure. Um, and, you know, up to, up, up to, uh, you know, the tail end of Gen Xers, I think as well, the financial crisis affected things so much in that it kind of shaped people's worldview in a way that kind of has defined a lot of this mistrust of, of government and this feeling of like systemic issues, um, and, and, and these kind of existential crises always happening um and but the reason i bring that up is because like but even in the 90s when 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 it seemed like uh you know we were it it was basically like the u.s like the left at the time from you know my my high school remembering of it was you know like the idea was that you were basically like it was like trying to fight against corporate control and corporate dominance and 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 this special, like, kind of hyperactive capitalism that emerged now that there was no uh, USSR left. Now that there was no USSR, there was nothing to really challenge the U.S., so now that, you know, the challenges had to be different. You know, uh, this changed after 9-11, but I think that a lot of people got out of college around, you know, any time between, like, 2007 and 2012, um... And their experience of the job market and their experience of the way that the government acts is a lot different than, you know, if you were already working in the early 2000s. I got out of college in 2010, but that's because I'm a high school dropout and I didn't, like, do anything for school for 10 years. But, like, the rest of the people who I was with uh, in school at the time, uh, people who are now in their early to mid-30s, their perception of the way that the government works and their perception of the way the economy works is like fundamentally different. And I think that it does speak a little bit to that 
loss of trust. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, what do you think? That, that's around when you graduated too, I think, right? Well, I took I took some time, so I, I did. I graduated in 2012. Um, right, right, but you, but you were, but but you were of like that kind of of that age of that. Generation. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I definitely. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's probably. I, I think that there's a lot of a lot of wisdom in what you just said, and I, I think that it's it is accurate to say that like for a lot of younger people, their only experience has been just a, a decline. The, the economy in precarious shape, uh, the looming specter of climate change, uh, then economic crisis, uh, and, and now pandemic. I mean, and, and through all of that, uh, a federal government that has sort of been like hands off. No, we can't, Oh, we can't do that. We can't, we can't, uh, we can't provide you health care. Uh, we have to go through private intermediaries. We can't give you uh, – we can't get rid of your debt even though we could because we can't for reasons. I mean <laughs> they, right, right. It, it, like it has it, – it definitely has shaped uh, a lot of younger people and I think made a hopeful generation. I think that you know my generation is a hopeful one uh, fundamentally. Uh, and 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 sort of given us a cynical edge that yeah. is really not helpful in at a time when we need government. We, like this is this is a moment when we need government and we need people to be demanding more of their government. And people are just like, well, we're never going to get it. So what's the point? And I I sympathize with that. I understand that perspective. But I also think yeah. it's it's not it, it, that is not the way, <laughs> right. you know. So, so let's let's shift the focus a little bit. So obviously we have these systemic issues, and we have a loss of trust in institutions, whether whether they're governmental or or, or business or whatever. Um, this lack of faith, which which kind of opens the door to these conspiracies well there have been a lot of people who have taken advantage of this and have have used their platforms to kind of spread misinformation and to spread uh lies basically about not only covid but the vaccines about about you know like, like what kind of public health uh what kind of public health measures work what kinds don't and we're starting to see some pushback to that, most notably, of course, from uh, the Joe Rogan experience, which is on Spotify, and that program now under some fire with Neil Young and uh, and Joni Mitchell, you know, taking their music out of Spotify. I think I think uh, I think Barry Manilow may have as well. A couple people did. And it's this attempt to, I mean, like, so some people, like, like some conservatives have said that this is an example of, of liberals trying to censor Rogan. Uh, but, you know, another way to look at it is that it's, it's these artists are simply not willing to associate uh, with, with Rogan's uh, commentary. Obviously, Neil Young and uh, uh, Joni Mitchell uh, have 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 their own uh, 
say, uh, questionable views on some science stuff. But, but leaving that aside, Rogan, uh, as well as um, you know, uh, other uh, right wing commentators like 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 Jimmy Dore and like uh, Max Blumenthal, both of whom kind of appeal to this kind of faux left, post left crowd, uh, have used their platforms to kind of try to reach a lot of people who are kind of on the liberal, on the left, and maybe just starting to tilt to the right. And they, they do seem to be kind of taking advantage of, of, of this opening. And I know that, I, I know that, you know, we both, we both have pretty strong opinions um, on, on these guys and what they do, but I'm just kind of curious as to what you think about this media approach like these, these, these commentators using their platforms uh, to spread this stuff. And it does seem like, I mean, it seems like it's, it's, it's working for them on some level because they've, they've done more and more of it and they're getting more and more attention uh, we, with, with the exception of Rogan, obviously, who, who already had the, the hundred million dollar deal. But I, I'm curious as to, as to how, how you slot that in with these systemic issues that you're talking about. Well, uh, sorry, I was, I was on mute. I have a cold or whatever, so yeah. Anyway, um, I think I think that with widespread uh, cynicism and frustration, it always it's always an opening for people who uh, are sort of self serving and and uh, want to want to uh, aggrandize. I, I think that you know. It is. It's. Fr- I mean, obviously, we we are talking about this because it's it's incredibly frustrating to watch. But th- they're selling uh, a an easy fix, right? A, a cheap, simple fix to a problem that that doesn't have one. Um, they're telling people that it's that it's. Uh, it's human, it, it, man, you know, man-made. This this problem is just is just a, a bunch of bad people who are doing bad things. It's a it's a conspiracy, and we got to stand up for freedom, and 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 then we can we can beat them. The 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 really interesting part to me is that they're in complete lockstep in terms of policy with like the mainstream of the discourse. It's just their reasons for getting there are so outlandish and and ridiculous. Um, and yet this you see this narrative persist that we're being ostracized that we are the outcasts our enemies are are meager and weak but they're also in charge and and whatnot and i i look at this as uh sort of uh crypto fascism i guess i i think that it's a that it's a first step for people into the into into fascism because what they're selling essentially is the same thing as as the far as the far right that that you know liberals are these sensorial weak uh, people who are detestable and and just um, uh, NPCs or what's the new term for them bug men uh, and and we need to take our country back they're 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 destroying our country they're trying to destroy what we have what what's left of of America and. I mean, look the the hype over Joe Rogan, like and and Spotify, like I'm pretty ambivalent about this about the whole matter. Like, yeah, I, I think 
I, I'm not a big fan of, of Joe Rogan, but I also, he's not like, he's one part of a COVID disinformation machine that has, that goes way beyond him. I mean, our, even, even our yeah. CDC, like, is balancing public health with trying to stick with the Biden administration's pro-business agenda. Like, um, but I, I think that like when a government doesn't respond and people don't, people can only act through the private sector. So people are taking their complaints to Spotify. Yeah. They're, you know, people are mad that this, that COVID disinformation is getting, is getting spread. Like, in, in a time of a public crisis when really uh, I know this, this will rub some of your listeners probably the wrong way, but historical precedent says that our federal government has the power to sort of step in and say, we're in the middle of a crisis. Like we can restrict certain free, certain liberties and, and, you know, speech that is causing mass death and destruction is, is probably something we can regulate. Like that's, like our, but our government isn't doing that. We're not doing really anything. We're sort of letting this virus rip. You know, I do think that that the government's well, a couple of things. I mean, first of all, yes, I, I it, it's a very important point. I think to to note that uh, you know people like uh, you know uh, Blumenthal, the uh, the son of Bill and Hillary Clinton confidant Sid Blumenthal. But, you know, I, I think that, like, these guys are not your friends, and it is interesting that they are coming to the exact same conclusions as, as the very people who, who they are, you know, telling you that they are opposed to, that, you know, the, the administration or, or, uh, or, or big business. You know, all, all of the people that they're warning you about, uh, they, they come to the same conclusion about all of this stuff. And, and it is just kind of interesting. I think that, you know, people who are following what they're saying should, should really listen to that and, and think about that and think about what that means. We're going to move to Jeff here. Jeff. I was just uh, wondering about you guys. Uh, Walker, I know you from Twitter. This is Jeff, the Russian bot. Um, and, Hi Jeff. Uh, how you doing? Um, I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on uh, how we should uh, how we should deal with misinformation. Uh, um, I've had some experiences with uh, YouTube censoring my videos for misinformation when it was, you know, the exact opposite of what I was saying. Like they censored me for medical misinformation the other day when I was saying, "Look, vaccines work, and that's one reason we should have mandates." And they're censoring me for saying the opposite. Uh, and meanwhile, somebody big like Jimmy Dore, who makes them tons of money. They don't do a damn thing to him. Um, and then, you know, there's you know, Rogan, who's supposedly getting censored, even though we know it was really mainly people just raising a ruckus about his misinformation and saying, look, Spotify, do something. Um, and uh, then on the other hand, you know, you have uh, these anti-vaxxers harassing and threatening scientists, uh, but somehow that's not censorship. So, anyway. Well, you know, Jeff, I'm, I'm just going to jump in here just before Walker real quick. And, uh, you know, I have a good friend from, from my days in the Pacific Northwest uh, named Jake Silverman. And he is, um, he is a, uh, a, 
a comedian um, on YouTube, and he, you know, during the during the January sixth, um, you know, both like the riot at at the Capitol, but also the um, also the the stuff that was going on around the country, you know, because like at all the different state capitals and stuff, uh, you know, there, there were all these actions. So Jake went to, I think he went to the one in uh, Salem, Oregon, and he recorded all of these guys, uh, you know, just, just to kind of show what it was like to be there. And, and you know, while all, while all of this stuff was going on and, and YouTube took down his stuff, even though it was very clear that he was there reporting, even though it was very clear that he did not endorse or or uh, accept it in any way, like these narratives, they still took it down and they wouldn't they wouldn't put it back up. He had to put it back up onto onto Vimeo just to get it up and and to have it be there. So I I think that the content moderation side of this and, and Walker, of course, is going to you know speak his piece on this. But but my my feeling is that. Relying on these private companies to do content moderation is, you know, it, it's it's slippery. It's slippery because it it depends on their level of power and and your your relative level of power. You know whether or not you're going to be uh, heard or not. Right? Somebody like Jake, somebody like you, Jeff, would not be heard while somebody like Jimmy. Uh, is is kind of able to skirt because he has so you know such a huge audience and and, and is able to get his message out and, and people view his stuff and that makes YouTube money. So yeah, I, I don't know. I like I guess that's kind of my long way around of saying I don't really have an answer on this one personally. But it, your story does remind me of my friend Jake's and um, and I'll, I'll I, it, it's 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 a difficult question to answer. I think for for, for not only for people who are commenting on it like us, but also uh, for, uh, you know, for how these companies are, are, are going to deal with it. So, so Walker, why don't you talk and then Jeff, I'll, I'll, I'll jump you back. Yeah. I, look, I, I think that it's, <clears throat> it's inevitably imperfect when websites like YouTube and uh, Twitter try to, to moderate content. It's, it's tough. It's problematic. You know, you end up losing some good content and, and uh, you end up keeping some bad content. Uh, I, I think that one thing that would be helpful, maybe, uh, and I, this is, um, you know, I've, I have evolved on this issue myself and, and uh, immunity for, for, for platforms when, when there's uh, harmful disinformation, like, like vaccine disinformation, if that's out, if, if somebody's putting that out on, on Twitter, maybe Twitter is also liable for, for the, you know, civilly liable for the harms that that misinformation causes. I'm not entirely sold on that because I also, the other side of that is if we, if we open the platforms up to liability for the stuff that they host, then uh, we are at risk of, of platforms shutting down. Like you saw with, um, what was it? Craigslist uh, personals, the personal section shut down after we modified. Yeah, uh, right. Yep. Yeah. So, so, you know, I, I recognize the other side to it, but I, 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 at the very least, I think that the speakers, uh, the people who are putting out vaccine disinformation and, and, and whatnot, I, I'd like to see them held civilly liable for the harm that they've caused because it's undeniable that, <laughs> that disinformation has, uh, has 
cost many lives in this country. So how, how do you how do you balance that with with First Amendment rights? How do you balance that with free speech? I, well, you're not I, you're I not mean, allowed. There's it's, certain it's, it's, certain it's speech isn't protected. That, like, we share we share ideologically a lot of the same positions on this stuff, but I I find myself very hesitant to go down that route. And and I'm just curious as to how how you can kind of justify that in in line with 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 the with with First Amendment and freedom of speech because and I, I hate I know it's such a cliche, but there is a slippery slope argument here. I mean sure. like absolutely how do you stop that from happening. Look there even, of course, even, even, even putting aside whether or not it's justifiable uh to do what you're suggesting, which which is a separate uh, issue, but 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 you know, just like the the slippery soap stuff, I'm, I'm just curious as to how how you can look. I, they're not not all speech is protected, right? So uh, this the slippery slope argument gets thrown out there every time that anybody talks about any kind of speech being restricted. But certain speech is already not allowed. You know, uh, incitement is not allowed. Um, you, you, and and. This this is speech that is causing di- you know direct harm. If somebody relies on on uh, like Joe Rogan for medical information, I mean they probably shouldn't. But <laughs> if they if they do and and they get they get harmed by it, is there a civil case there? I mean, it's an interesting question. I'm but isn't isn't the argument that that they're making the decision to turn to him for so so there is there is a an individual level of responsibility here. Oh, f- absolutely. As I said, I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sold on any of this. I, 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 I'm very protective of, uh, of, of speech, but I do recognize that in, in a public health emergency, you know, there is the, the, we do have, um, a, a need here, a compelling need to, to, uh, control the misinformation that's getting put out there. And I just, I don't know what form that would take. I mean, it does seem a little difficult to prove, um, you know, to, to, to hold somebody liable, uh, like Joe Rogan for, for vaccine disinformation. I mean, there are a lot of arguments that, you know, oh, well you shouldn't, number one, you shouldn't be relying on Joe Rogan for your medical information. And number two, um, you know, the, how are you going to show that you were, that this person's disinformation caused you to not get vaccinated and get sick. Whereas as opposed to getting the, you know, if you've looked at another website with disinformation, like how are you going to show cause? I mean, that's another, that's another issue, but I, I think Measur- that fu- measurable and provable seem to be, I mean, yeah, like, but, but fundamentally, like, that's very difficult. I think. But fundamentally somebody like Dr. Malone is putting himself out there uh, he's, he's, he's leaning heavily on his credentials and he's telling people, you know, disinformation about the vaccines and, and promoting, uh, damaging lies. And there is a compelling argument. I think that people, uh, could reasonably rely on somebody who, who holds themselves out as a doctor, who is credentialed as a doctor and who's giving out bad medical advice to people like that. You should be liable for that. Um, and, so I, I I think there is a distinction between somebody like Joe Rogan and somebody like Dr. Malone or Dr. Ma- Peter McCullough, like people like that who hold themselves out, who have expertise and who, who could reasonably re- be relied on for medical information, uh, giving bad medical advice to people. Yeah, absolutely. Hold them accountable for that. Yeah. I, well, I'm going to, uh, I still have 
some objections to that, but I'm gonna ju- I'm gonna jump in Jeff here because he's been waiting for waiting to come back on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, go for it. You know, but uh, just while we're waiting for him to unmute, I just I just want to say quickly, I think that you know. I, okay, I, am I unmuted yeah, now? Yeah. Okay, yeah, go. Ahead. Yeah, I mean, well, as far as uh, what you guys have just been talking about, I mean, what about a fairness doctrine? Bring back something like that so that uh, media, big media outlets, have an obligation to present more than one side, which I guess uh, Spotify is uh, kind of sort of trying to do with Joe Rogan, and he's claimed that he was going to do that. We'll see. Um, so there's that, you know, obliging media outlets with such substantial reach to you know, not just present, in this case, the anti-vax side. Um, as far as uh, YouTube's moderation, I mean, Look, it's obvious that they didn't even watch my video. They just had a computer do all the moderation. And, you know, somehow they can design a computer program that can be the best uh, chess playing program in the world, but they can't design a computer program that can distinguish, can't distinguish between you know, pro-vax and anti-vax. I mean, you know, that, that's obviously not productive in any way if moderation is going to look like that. Um, so, you know, if we're going to, you know, try to manage content, we're, not we, but you know, media outlets, uh, platforms like Spotify, then, you know, they need to be thoughtful about it. So, you know, I just want to, I just want to jump in here and just say that, you know, you're presenting this as like one side versus another side when I think we should be contextualizing these anti-vaxxer people as, as for what they are. I mean, people like Malone and McCullough are not they they don't speak for a large constituency within the medical profession. They are the equivalent of climatologists who don't believe in man-made climate change. Like that's, that's what we're dealing with. We're dealing with a fringe, very, very small group that has been amplified by large media platforms to appear as though it speaks with equal force to the overwhelming consensus within the medical field that the vaccines are safe, that they, that they are very effective at preventing severe illness and death. I mean, like, this is not, it, it's not like, yeah, I, I mean, that, that basically covers it. So I, I, I do think that there's. Um... Well, it does come down to, again, it comes down to like the measurable and provable. Because if, if, if you're arguing that these doctors should be held somehow civilly liable for, uh, for the stuff that they're saying, um, I I don't know how you would do that without making the real target of that kind of civil action the people who are having them on in the first place. And if you're going to make the people who are having them on in the first place civilly liable, then you are actively infringing on... Speak, I mean, because because again, like 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 I'm not talking right now about uh, Spotify or YouTube or Twitter or Colin even, right? Uh, like uh, taking certain content moderation, uh, making certain content moderation decisions, and and in order to uh, kind of you know shape which voices are going to be heard and how they're going to be heard and, you know, whether or not, like, if there's misinformation being spread, 
that should be, you know, like like part of a disclaimer or something like Spotify is, is talking about doing. It. Like I'm not talking about that, but it it, it it that's a separate argument than saying they should be held civilly liable. Which at that point it becomes like like that is usually using the state, right? That's no, 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 no. It's actually actually using. It's actually just allowing people who are harmed by the by these you know quack doctors to sue for the damages that they have suffered i mean or or they're allowing their families to do that look you but how, but how is, if you're I mean, if you're, you're joe rogan you're a lawyer and so. you have yeah well if you have well i'm i'm a jd i'm okay well yeah <laughs> uh, you're more of a lawyer if than you're I, so. if if you're joe rogan and you have on peter mccullough People shouldn't be going to you for your medical advice. You don't have any – there's no reason why somebody should reasonably rely on you for medical advice. But this person who's on your program, there is a reason why people could reasonably rely on, on him for medical advice. He has an MD. He's a, you know, a published you know, a, a physician. He's somebody that, that has a reputation that, that used to work at Baylor you – know, McCullough used to work at Baylor College. Like – medicine like he's somebody who people could rely on reasonably for advice uh or or you could argue that i mean who knows if it would even hold up in in court probably not to be honest with you the way that it is now um probably not but i think it's still i i don't think there's much risk there of the the person like like uh rogan getting getting pinged for that i think that the the real question is should a doctor be able to hold himself out as a doctor and give quack advice to people in a very public fashion, reach millions of people and cause harm? I, I don't, I think the answer to that is, is no. I, and, and I don't think it's I, just having them civilly liable means that individuals or classes of individuals can bring action against them and, and get made whole for the harm that they, that they've suffered Re- relying on that. Of course you have to prove it, Right, you have to prove it in court, and that's not easy. In fact, it's very, it's very difficult. Uh, so I, I, I'm not, I'm not too worried about that. So then, it, I, I mean, the, if you're not too worried about that, it, I mean, are you, like, are you saying you're not too worried about it being abused, or you? Are you yeah, I'm not too worried about, about it being worried? abused. But you think that it would work? That there would be a case for that? Possibly. I mean, I, I you know, uh, this is not legal advice. <laughs> right, right, I'm not, I'm just saying like, ideally, like ideally we don't, the, these people don't just get to cause harm willy nilly and, and, and just cash in and write books and get shitloads of money off of unsuspecting and, you know, uh, people who don't know better. I think that that's, that's predatory. I think these individuals are predatory. I think that they're using their their credentials um, as a money making scheme. I think that they've abandoned the the Hippocratic oath long ago. And yeah, I think I think that look, we know that the people who are overwhelmingly filling up hospitals and who are dying are unvaccinated. We know that the vaccines are effective at preventing severe illness and death. Um, People should get vaccinated. If you are medically able to get vaccinated, should get vaccinated. It is very simple. But, you know, if and if you don't get vaccinated, 
there is a risk that you could get very sick from COVID and die and much higher than if you were vaccinated. So yeah, I think, I think I, I would like to see some civil liability for, for, you know, doctors who, who, who give out bad information to people um, in pursuit of, of uh, publicity and, and whatnot. Yeah. Fuck those people. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm definitely with you on the fuck them, uh, you know, for sure. Uh, I, I think, I think we have some, some difference of opinion there, but, but, uh, I mean, that's fine. It's not my, it's not my no, big no, priority, no, right? No, like course, it's, I'm yeah. not out there like championing, Oh, we gotta, we gotta hold them. No, I, I think that the first step in, in this fight is, is getting correct information out there and correctly portraying these people for what they are, which is a fringe, uh, a fringe group of opportunists who are filling, who are stepping in because there is a lack of trust. There's widespread cynicism and they're abusing that. They're abusing their their um, their credentials, and they're they're getting people ginned up, and really uh, leading people down a, a rabbit hole that leads in one direction. And I think we saw that in Florida, right? You yeah. were the one who shared who shared the uh, the swastika over the highway. Well, well, I mean, like, uh, I mean, that's the reason that I added the reply there, though. Like, that was a neo-Nazi march that were also showing their adherence to the anti-vax movement like that like like that like the two are tied together but right. those guys were neo-nazis like yeah absolutely i mean absolutely neo- straight up neo-nazis. but conspiracies tend to feed each other right like you start start with the uh come for the anti-vax stuff and end with the COVID is a jewish conspiracy trump didn't lose the election like you know all of these things are sort of tied together i i think it's and and the villains in all of these narratives are are usually the same people, right? Like, it's always the the the, the elites, the coastal elites, uh, which nice nice little way of saying Jew without saying Jew. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> so it, it 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 always tends to circle the drain and and get right back there every yeah. single time, every single time, and without so, fail. Yeah. So so I think this is I think this is a good place to end it because we've kind of gone all the way around right to where we were in the beginning where we were talking about how this stuff has been spreading and and um i think i think this is a really interesting conversation um i'm going to be talking with richard wolf actually on thursday uh at 3 p.m uh, for kind of, i think maybe a different perspective we talked back in november i think I, i'm pretty sure you've read this interview walker and uh, richard wolf and i where we we had some pretty strong disagreements on vaccine mandates what they meant for labor and how that has kind of affected labor. And I think that, um, you know, we're definitely going to see, I, I, I'm just really interested to see what, uh, what Dr. Wolf has to say now that, you know, that it's been a couple months and, and Omicron has kind of spread across. And, um, Wait, he was, he was opposed to vaccine mandates. He's opposed to vaccine mandates, um, for uh, a number of kind of, Differing reasons um, that that kind of they don't really hang together, but they all are kind of together there. Kind of, it's kind of hard to explain. Um, That's but, uh, interesting. Yeah, I'll, I'll be I'll be I'll also be kind of I'll be reposting a little bit um, at the newsletter to get to get people ready for it. But can, can we just say that like in that yeah, conversation but, about mandates, like 
we always focus on sort of the negative right, right? Like you can't tell me what to do. You can't, government can't tell me what to do with my own body. But we never focus on the other side of that, which are the positive rights. Like I have a right to not get, to not get infected. We, or to, to go to a workplace knowing that like the, unva- you know, it's not that I'm surrounded yeah. by people who are, who are taking this seriously. And, and like, I'm not going to be put at, at risk. And frankly, we, we should have remote work. I mean, that's sort of well, ridiculous. It, like we know, you know that vaccinated people yeah. spread the virus as well. So like, you know, it is sort of. Right. So, so one of, one of the, uh, one of the main things that we talked about actually uh, during our conversation in November was, uh, you know, this idea of, of, uh the rights of the workers who who are vaccinated and who want a vaccine mandate and don't want to be infected on the job uh you know that 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 was a major uh point of contention for me uh that I was bringing up with him and 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 I think that his his response to that was interesting I'll, I'll let I'll let people read that it, you know we had a pretty good back and forth I think uh, and, and I'm, and I'm excited to do it again, but Walker, uh, you know, while we're, while we're wrapping up here, um, do you want to tell everybody where they can find your work and, and find your stuff? Yeah, you can find my work at the, the daily poster. Um, it just, uh, it's dailyposter.com and, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Walker Bragman. Great, great. And, uh, yeah, so just for my little quick promos. Uh, if you are listening on the app, please subscribe to the show so we can get those numbers up. Uh, always, always appreciate seeing the ticker go up and you can also find my print stuff at E O I N H I G G I N S dot substack.com. You can find me on Twitter at Owen Higgins underscore E O I N H I G G I N S underscore. Uh, thanks a lot. Walker. Thanks a lot, Jeff, for, uh, for joining us, uh, with your comments about your channel. Uh, really uh, interesting stuff, and I, I feel like it really kind of helped the conversation go to a really interesting place. And, and, and Walker, as always, thanks for joining. Well, thanks for having me. And sorry we didn't get to hear you, John. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, next time. All right. We'll see you guys Thursday. All right, bye. Bye.